Welcome to Decision Vision, a podcast series focusing on critical business decisions. Brought to you by Brady Ware and Company. Brady Ware is a regional, full-service accounting and advisory firm that helps businesses and entrepreneurs make visions a reality. And welcome back to another episode of Decision Vision, a podcast giving you, the listener, clear vision to make great decisions. In each episode, we discuss the process of decision-making on a different topic. Rather than making recommendations because everyone's circumstances are different, we talk to subject matter experts about how they would recommend thinking about that decision. My name is Mike Blake, and I am your host for today's program. I am a director at Brady Ware & Company, a full-service accounting firm based in Dayton, Ohio, with offices in Dayton, Columbus, Ohio, Richmond, Indiana, and Alpharetta, Georgia, which is where we are recording today. Brady Ware is sponsoring this podcast. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast aggregator, and please also consider leaving a review of the podcast as well. So today's topic is about co-working spaces, accelerators, incubators, and there are probably three or four other names for these kinds of places that I'm not even familiar with yet. Um, I can't speak for the rest of the country, but they have popped up like dandelions all over Atlanta in the last five years, and even in my hometown of Shambly, that has, I think, a population of about 30,000 people, we have at least two co-working spaces, accelerators, of which I'm aware. Uh, and I happen to be a member of one of them. It's a nice place to kind of hang out. It's at the airport and um, uh, a place for to, to have meetings. They, they do a good job. Um, but for the most it's very likely that if you can listen to this podcast, there is a co-working space, an accelerator, an incubator, near you, and you might be kind of wondering, does it make sense for me to be in one of these places? What's it all about? Why why are they generating the interest and the buzz they are? Why are some of my competitors there? Why are a lot of startups there? And is it right for me, whether I'm a startup or a more mature company? And today we are joined by uh, my pal Sanjay Parekh, who is one of the true OGs of the startup community (laughs) here in the Atlanta area, uh, unlike me, who's basically been one of the world's ugliest cheerleaders for about 12 years or so, he has actually started companies, had exits, um, ran a very important organization called uh, Startup Riot about the same time as we were doing Startup Lounge, and I'm proudly wearing one of the Startup, Startup Riot t-shirts here uh, uh, today. And Sanjay has been about as active as anybody, for as long as anybody, in the, uh, in, in, in the startup community. And one of the hats that he is wearing at this point is he is co-founder of Prototype Prime. He is a serial technology entrepreneur. He's currently founder of MailMosh, a startup uh, focused on making email a better experience, and maybe we'll get some uh, information from him about that. As I mentioned before, he's co-founder of this startup, uh, not really so much a startup anymore, but a, 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 an accelerator, I guess. Sanjay will probably correct me, called Prototype Prime. That is in the, the northern uh, Atlanta metro area, about three miles north of, uh, of where I live. He's also the co-host of his own podcast called Tech Talk Y'all, a podcast covering technology with a southern flair. And if you haven't, li- I've listened to a couple of episodes. If, if you're into technology and you want to understand the local sort of southern, the southeastern startup scene, because it is different from other places in the country, you really ought to give it a listen. Um, previously, Sanjay launched Startup Ride, a conference for startups which pioneered the three-minute four-slide presentation format. Um, and that was a, an extremely important event. Uh, I think they got up to you know, hundreds of, of attendees and was eventually holding these things downtown. And the thing I loved about it was that 
was that Sunday was not afraid to use the vaudeville hook either. If you went 301, <laughs> you were done. And the thing about pitches is that if, if they drag, man, they, they, are, they are tedious. And, and Sanjay made sure that didn't happen. Um, prior to founding Startup Riot, he founded uh, Founder Fables, an off-the-record conference for founders. He was also the founding CEO of a company called Digital Envoy and the inventor of the company's patent, patented NetAcuity IP intelligence technology. At Digital Envoy, Sanjay led the company to raise $12 million in angel and venture funding. Digital Envoy was acquired by Landmark Communications in June 2007. He holds an electrical engineering degree from Georgia Tech and an MBA from Emory University's Goizueta Business School. And weren't you on also one of those special European study grants? Was it called the MacArthur Grant? I'm trying to no, it was, it was actually the Marshall Memorial Fellowship. That's what yeah, it was. Okay. Yeah, so that was uh, in 2004. Uh, and it was a month-long trip. It's a fantastic trip. They take Americans to Europe for a month, and Europeans come to the U.S. for a month. And really, it's about building better transatlantic relations um, between. It's it's really kind of a gift back to us. It's for, it's from the German Marshall Fund of the United States. It's a gift back to us from the people in government of Germany for the help that we gave them during the Marshall Plan post-World War II. I wonder if that program's still going on today. <laughs> It, it is, okay. yeah, it, and it's it's still a pretty strong program because it's an important thing. I think uh, between Europeans and Americans, we need to understand each other better, and we, more than ever today, right? Yeah, and and you realize as you travel that uh, Europeans are different, right? You've got the Eastern European versus Western versus Southern. It's it's all very different, different in their mentality. I had a very different experience based on the places I went to. Yeah, as you know, I lived in in Eastern Europe for a number of years, yep. and it. That kind of experience does change you, uh, yeah, I think. If absolutely. You're open. And for me, that kind of experience led me to to look at kind of what is the other person thinking. Right. Not just sort of have my mouth open, which is what I normally would have done before <laughs> I went over there. But instead, what is the other person's viewpoint? And the best way to do that is to actually kind of be in that room, right? Right, exactly. And be receptive to the feedback, you know, in their perspective of what you're doing. Like, we got railed on. I mean, if you can imagine 2004 and the things that we were doing and, and what was going on in the world, we got yep. kind of blamed for a bunch of stuff that we didn't necessarily agree with and because our country and our government was doing those things. And yep. so um, it was hard. Yeah, I will say when we went to Poland, uh, that was a nice respite from all of that because, man, those Poles, they love us. They do. <laughs> they do. I've been to Poland a little bit, and you're absolutely right. They roll that, out the red carpet. That is a great country uh, for Americans. Yep. I, I really love my time there. So uh, let's let's jump in. So um, we were talking, uh, and I was talking in the intro about the, this advent of of co-working and accelerators and, and incubators. And so, you know, Prototype Prime was not the first in by any stretch of the imagination. Absolutely right? not, yeah. So you saw these uh, all these other co-working spaces, all these other – I'm going to call them spaces because it just takes too long to go slash, <laughs> right. slash, slash. Right. Right. All these spaces – what made you think that we needed, frankly, another one? What's the differentiator? What was the market need? Yeah, well, so for me, you know, I definitely saw a need on the northern arc uh, of Atlanta. There's a lot of stuff going on inside the city, inside the perimeter, uh, but not, not as much around the, the kind of northern arc. Um, but honestly, I was not really looking to start one of these. Um, I was on a panel that ATDC was doing probably about three years ago now. That's the Advanced Technology Development Center at Georgia Tech. Right. And and our mutual friend, Jen Benet, was uh, running it then. She was GM. Uh, and they had been asked by the City of Peachtree Corners to come up and do a panel to 
kind of figure out the appetite of doing an incubator um, there. And uh, Jen was like, oh, I, I know you live up that way. Would you mind doing this? And, and as most things, when somebody asks me to come and speak, I'm always happy to do it. Um, with the caveat that they should know that, look, I'm going to tell you things that you're probably not going to agree with or be happy about me saying, uh, but it's because that's what I believe. You don't have to listen to what I say. You don't have to do what I have to say. Um, it's just that's that's what I believe. And so I did exactly that on this panel. And then afterwards, um, and, and I laid it out. I told them, like, these are the things that are wrong here, and these are the things that you need to fix to make this all work. Um, the mayor's wife, uh, Debbie Mason, came up to me and said, I, I love what you had to say. Let me introduce you to the mayor. Uh, introduced to, to Mike Mason, who is still currently the mayor of Peachtree Corners. And we started a series of breakfast, and it was really just me unloading on him all the ideas that I had that he should go do. That sounds like your dream conversation. Absolutely. Like, let me tell you everything you should do, and I'm not going to do any of it. Uh, you execute it, and I'm going to just cheer from the sidelines. Um, but by the end of that, he was basically going, he was like, well, um, obviously I want you, and it wasn't obvious to me, obviously I want you to come in and help with this thing and help start it up. And so I actually have never told him yes. Uh, I told him no a bunch of I even went to his house and told him no because I was busy at Georgia Tech at that point. Um, and somehow still I ended up managing to be involved with this thing and helping found it. So um, that's how that whole thing happened. And um, I'll tell you, it's been a great experience. The city, it's a nonprofit. Uh, Prototype Prime is a nonprofit, standalone. The, um, the city funds it, so funds the budget every year. Uh, and they've let me do a lot of crazy things. Um, you know, I believe a few things strongly about Atlanta that we've got great art, great music, great film, great startups, great corporates, great nonprofits. But these things don't talk to one another. And I think that's a challenge in almost every city out there where you've got these great silos of stuff, but they don't cross pollinate. Uh, and so if, if any, anybody's out there in another city, if you're thinking about what you can do better for your city, it's trying to figure out ways for that to happen, that cross pollinization to happen. So one of the things that I did is I engaged with Atlanta artists uh, to come and do artwork on the walls, right? So when we started, it was it was a depressing building. It was white walls everywhere, very echoey. Nobody was there. Um, and now there's a lot of artwork. People walk in and they feel the energy. They feel the vibe of the place. Um, and it's been great for us. And that's not the right answer for every place, but it was the right answer for us. So w when you were when you were telling mayor of prototype prime and and peachy corners or, sorry yeah Petri corners um what they needed to fix what were some yeah. of the top three or four things you thought needed to be fixed yeah. and done differently what one of my top things uh is and it was and still is is transportation um so we're in gwinnett county we don't have marta the closest marta stop is doraville which is you know maybe a 10 or 12 minute ride it's closer to me in shambly than it is to you in Peachtree corners right exactly now here's the thing so there's a gwinnett county bus that is in tech park that will take you to marta so i said it's a 10 to 12 minute ride by car it will take you over an hour on that bus and you just had a referendum unfortunately on joining marta and it was <laughs> yeah surprisingly strongly defeated actually yeah I, there's a lot of discussion about that and why that happened and the timing of it and right. all these kinds of things. But Read I, the editorials on AJC.com. Right, exactly. But I, I think that'll eventually change down the line because the, the makeup of Gwinnett County is changing. And you know, it's the largest county in the metro area, and there's so many jobs. There's, there's so many people commuting in and out of that, that county that if we're going to actually fix and address the transportation issues across metro Atlanta— it's got to involve Gwinnett County and be a part of that puzzle. So that was one of the major things that I told them that that needs to be it. Um, but the other parts were, were really kind of being engaged with, um, you know, the startups and really helping out in a lot of stuff. So one of the things that I asked them to do, 
is something that passed in in the city of Atlanta where we uh, did this thing or the city of Atlanta did this thing where the business licenses for uh, early stage startups are waived for the first couple of years. And so that's an ordinance in the city of Atlanta. I think it's absolutely great. I think all of the cities and municipalities in Metro Atlanta should pass the same exact thing. I asked the mayor and the city council of Peachtree Corners to pass that. They basically took the text of the city of Atlanta ordinance and passed it as well. So that was one of those things like, okay, I, I understand you're going to do this and you're going to put money behind it, but you've got to show more of that support than just, hey, we set up this thing, you know, start companies and have them be here, right? It's got to be that whole messaging, you know, and a couple hundred dollars a year is really not going to change the calculus of a startup failing or succeeding, but it sends the message. Um, and so right along with that, having city council folks and the mayor uh, in the space, around the space, just around, even if they're not meeting with teams, uh, it's important because it sends that message that this is something that they care about and this is something that they support. Now, you mentioned the geography, and, and you know, geography is important everywhere, but you know, Atlanta has a strange geography. You know, there's this emotional barrier of our Ring Road 285. <laughs> right. Um, you know, you feel like you need a passport to kind of cross over. Um, and, you know, and I, I, I sold my company and joined a firm that's up in Alpharetta, so I live inside the perimeter. Now I occasionally commute outside the perimeter. And the thing you don't realize until you do it, and you probably do know this, I'm sure you know this, is that it's actually very different communities. Like if, yeah. if I go to startup events in you know, Buckhead, Midtown, the usual suspects, right. I know most of the people in yep. that room. Alpharetta, I know two people in a room full yep. of 100. Yep. And you don't, until you do that, you don't realize how different those communities are right. and how important that ge- geographic segmentation yeah. is. And, and that kind of goes back to that same idea of we need these things to cross-pollinate, right? Uh, as a metro uh, city, we're not going to continue to improve our startup uh, community unless those communities are cross-pollinating, right? I mean, we should be able to go into an event in Alpharetta or, or wherever and know more than two people. That's that's not good. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, that's right. So so you're trying to fix this a little bit now with, with Prototype Prime. Other than the geographic location and the message you're trying to send, what are some of the other differentiating features in your mind? Yeah, so um, number one, it's a nonprofit, right? So my view on this was um, this is not something that is associated with me as a name. Um, This is something that I'm building to be a long-term asset in the community, right? So I often talk about, uh, as of this year, the 81-year plan. Um, How do we get to the year 2100 with what we're doing right now? I don't really care about the next couple of years. Um, I really care about prototype prime being around at the turn of the next century and still helping people. So that is my focus. I, I have a concern about other facilities in and around town. Um, and even across the U S that are these for-profit places. Like I don't really know that they're going to be around at the turn of the next century. Um, is prototype prime going to be, I, I don't know. I hope so. That's what we've been building for. Um, and that's the message that I keep sending that we're focused on the year 2100. So we're trying to make decisions that are based on the long term, not on the short term um, with, with the space. And, and how do those kinds of decisions differ? What, how, how would a, a decision maybe you're faced with if you're thinking of a five year horizon? Yeah. 
versus a 2100 horizon what would that what's the difference yeah so i think part of it is is being a nonprofit be, you know that that builds in that kind of idea that this is going to pass from hand to hand uh, it's not going to start with a founder and then when they're tired of it it's going to shut down um, this is definitely going to live on um, the other part of it is some of the moves that we've made so uh, recently we got granted uh, 1.8 million dollars by the federal government to buy the building that we're in we were leasing it from a landlord um, which was not the city. We now own that building completely. So 25,000 square feet owned by the organization. So it has a home. It's not going to go away from that home. Um, or maybe down the road it will when it sells that building and moves into another building. Um, alongside of that, we've been forging these partnerships. So we're building this advanced autonomous uh, test track. Uh, so a vehicle test track, 1.4 mile loop inside of Tech Park, um, where vehicle companies can come and test out their vehicles uh, on this dedicated track that is dedicated, but it still interacts with the public, right? So there, there's that interaction. Uh, alongside of that, Sprint is coming in and doing a 5G deployment inside a tech park based in, you know, starting from our building. Um, so it's called Curiosity Lab. And, and that's an opportunity for these next stage of, of uh, startups to be able to use, you know, next generation communication technologies. So it's, it's trying to build in all of these things that really create an excitement. And, and the fact that we're in tech park, um, which used to be, the hotbed of telecom kind of innovation yep. in Atlanta uh, has kind of gone away, but we're trying to bring it all back, right? So it's not just telecom. It's a bunch of other things. It's vehicles. It's software startups. It's all of these things. And hopefully they'll graduate from our place and then move close by and so we can still be involved with them. So a common theme that I can hear from at least you know the Sprint and the car track exercise is that those are prototyping resources. Yeah, right? I, essentially, yeah. Right? What, do you, what do you know? Prototype prime, prototyping resources. Right, prime is, being the first place that you do your prototype, right? That, is that's is that deliberate? It. Are there other prototyping resources as well? You know, maker spaces, things of that nature? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so we're one of only two spaces, the other one being ATDC in Atlanta that has a design and development lab. So we've got a, a lab. Um, we've got a handful of teams that use that lab. Um, one of them has grown tremendously with us. Uh, Trellis started with two people. They're now, I think, 16. Um, and they build all their product in our lab. Uh, you know, So we've got 3D printers. We've got um, soldering stations. We, I mean, you, you name it, we've got it. So um, I, I want to come back to this 2100 uh, description because I think that's yeah. fascinating. So I'm going to go off script a little bit. Um, you know the the, the 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 typical space model is you help a company for some period of time yep and then they quote graduate right right you slash encourage them to leave kick them out whatever yeah, yeah. Is, is the fact that you're that you're kind of designed for longevity from day one does that mean that that part of the model changes too or maybe you'd love it if a company stayed there for 10 years yeah so no we don't want companies to stay there for long term okay. right really the goal is to help them early early stage when they're just fledgling companies get them to the point where they're starting to scale so our, our three taglines are dream it build it scale it that's what we help entrepreneurs do right so dream it when they're just starting out figuring out what they're doing build it when they're starting to build their companies and, and then when they're starting to scale but as they start to scale that's the time for them to get pushed out okay. um, so we actually had one team uh, that was our second team in so trellis was our first team in grew from two people to 16 now uh, our second team in Sighton grew from a single founder uh, to now i think it's about 18 or 20 people uh, and they were actually getting to the size where i was starting to talk to them about it's going to be time to leave soon um, and the founder said, yeah, we're not going to leave. Uh, and I said, no, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not kidding. I'm serious that you guys are just getting too big. And this was only when we had the downstairs 
And so they said, no, we like it here too much. We don't want to leave. And so with the upstairs, City Hall used to be upstairs and they left. And that opened up the possibility for us to take over the upstairs. So we ended up taking a third of the space upstairs, dedicating it to them. And so we have a different relationship with them now. Uh, But I think that was a one-off. I don't think we're going to do that again. When they leave in a couple of years, that space is probably going to get reclaimed and be just regular, you know, startup space that people are coming in there for a little while. You know, my plan has always been kind of three to four years at the most that we would hold on to a team. We want teams to graduate from us and then move on to the, you know, Atlanta Tech Village, Switchyards, Flatiron, Strongbox, uh, Atlanta Tech uh, Park, Park Tech, Tech Park Atlanta, Tech Park Atlanta. Yep. Yeah, I always get that confused. Uh, 22 Tech Park, like any of those places, uh, the Alpharetta, like any of those places, um, we really view ourselves as the early, early stage, and we're going to help the companies get their feet under them and, and get going so that they can graduate to these other places, and those other places don't have to worry about the, the viability of those teams. Right. They know that they're going to come in. They know what they're doing. They're going to continue to grow and they'll probably at some point, you know, outgrow those spaces as well. Uh, but I, I think that's good. And, and the reason why we kind of view ourselves that way is that, you know, again, to that twenty one hundred view, this was an area that I saw was lacking. And uh, all of those places that I mentioned are run by friends of mine. And I didn't ever want to compete with friends of mine and because we have so many challenges and every city has challenges. Like, why try to compete over the same things over and over again? Figure out something new and something different. And that's what we decided to do with Prototype Prime. Uh, in that respect, it's like Startup Riot and Startup Lounge all over again. Right? Yeah, no, exactly. We had to be careful that we weren't marginalizing somebody else inadvertently. Right. The the goal for both our organizations was to put ourselves out of business. Yeah. Which, thankfully, we did. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um Although everybody still keeps telling me that they wish that Startup Riot would come back. And I tell them that that boat has sailed at this I, point. I, I say the same thing about Startup Lounge. But yeah. Everybody wishes it would come back, but they also wish that I would do it. And <laughs> yeah. That's not happening. I, I say the same thing. I'm like, yeah, if you want to do it, I'm happy to give you all exactly. the stuff. Yep. I got stickers still. Like, I, I, I would cheer you on. We'll give you the nuclear launch coast, the website, everything. Exactly. Oh, no, man. I, I got no, too no, much no. Stuff I'm too on. busy. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> so, I, I emailed 3,000 people saying, who wants to take it over? I remember that. Crickets. <laughs> I remember that. And, well, you know, the, 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 that's the evolution of the market, right? It, so. it is. And and t- truth be told, like I, you know this as well, events are hard to do. Uh, and I don't blame anybody for not taking no. it up because it's it's a painful exercise. And I, I don't wish that on anybody. It, yeah. It, it, I mean, you you got to love it. And, and neither of us got paid for it either. Really. No, exactly. So. Yeah. Labor of love for both of them. Definitely. So um, where does Prototype Prime kind of fit in your mind? It doesn't sound like it's really a co-working space. Is it an accelerator? Is it an incubator? Is it a hybrid? Is it something else? Maybe the, the, the distinction is not meaningful. How, yeah. how would you, what bucket would you put it so, into? So uh, we call ourselves an incubator. So to Got me, it. an incubator is a place that um, helps companies like this but doesn't put money in. To me, an accelerator is, is a place where you have a, a, a structured program uh, as well as money that's going in as an investment. Um, okay, so flat GT Flashpoint, for example, was kind of an accelerator. That's an accelerator, right? yeah, because they had money in the wings, kind of. For absolutely, okay, absolutely, yeah. And it, and it might be, it might not be money that's directly from the program, but it might be a side fund, which is what Flashpoint was. But um, and I don't know if that's changed now. But you know, like uh, Atlanta Tech Village to me is, is more of a co-working space uh, than it is an incubator or an accelerator, right? Um, so for us, an incubator is that we're still pretty heavily involved with teams, right? So we're around. Meeting with teams. I was just there yesterday. 
you know, chit-chatting with a handful of teams, talking about their problems, giving them ideas, things like that. Whereas in a co-working space, you don't necessarily have that. Uh, in all of these, though, you do have the, the serendipity, the, the casual kind of interactions that end up happening. You're running into folks and, and you might find the aha solution to whatever problem you've been struggling with. Right. So that's, I think, the benefit of doing any one of these. Um, but uh, as an incubator, I think we're a little bit different. We don't we don't have a deadline that says you've got to get out by then. Right. Okay. Right. So what 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 kinds of companies do you think? Incubator, I'll focus on incubator accelerators. What kinds of companies do you think do best in those kinds of environments? Yeah, so for an accelerator, they usually have a, a target kind of market niche that they can help with. Um, so I would focus on that. In- incubators are often the same way as well. So we are a hardware and software incubator, right? We are not a lifestyle business uh, incubator or anything else like that. So if you're starting up dry cleaning stores or barbershop, you, you should not come to Prototype Prime. We are not going to be able to help you. And it's not that we don't love you. It's just we don't have the skills to help in that right. environment. That's not your thing. You don't yeah. know anything about running a dry cleaning business. No, not at all. Like I, I have no idea. Like I, I don't know the issues you're going to face or anything else like that. You better. You're best to go to a place where you're served um, and helped by people that understand your space. So that's I think number one that you should uh, think about. Um, the other thing is that somebody that's actually willing to to be coachable and, and listen to. Uh, feedback, right? Like all the feedback is not going to be dead on accurate. You've got to figure out for yourself what's right and wrong, uh, but you've got to be at least open and willing to, to listen to it. And I'll give you an example. I was interviewing an entrepreneur just not too long ago. So we, we screen all the uh, companies coming into Prototype Prime to make sure that they're, that first of all, we're a good fit for them, right? That we can help them with the things that they're working on, but that they're also a good fit for us, right? That they're going to be somebody that we want to have in the space that uh, makes sense, that we're going to actually be able to help uh, because they're listening. Uh, This particular entrepreneur, I I said something, they only had a a handful of customers. And I said, you know, what I think you need to do is probably go out and get some more customers first uh, and and drive revenue before you start deciding to build custom products. uh, Because I don't know that you necessarily know what your customers want. Well, this ticked off the entrepreneur stood up halfway through the meeting at that point, shook my hand and said, well, thank you very much. And stormed out of the meeting. That's not the right personality. Um, like if, if, even generally, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you got to have a thick skin. Um, people are going to call your baby ugly, right? That's just yep. what it is. Um, and so you've got to have that conviction. You've got to have that understanding and that drive to be able to take it uh, and take that criticism, uh, prove them wrong, uh, but do it in a way that's that doesn't burn bridges either, right? Like that entrepreneur, if he ever asks me for help, I'm going to be like, yeah, no, because I'm not going to introduce somebody like that to somebody I know and burn the bridge that I might have with them, right? Uh, you want to? I, I got to share the story with you. Yeah. Um, so as you know, I, I've I've done office hours for a decade or so. Yeah, absolutely. And, and years ago, a guy came and and wanted my opinion on his business. I I. Called the ba- in fact, I didn't say it was even a baby. It was more like a wombat. I mean, it was just so <laughs> far off in the left field. And, and and he was upset, got up, left, didn't even pay his check. I wound up having to cover his check. Okay. Um, and then uh, about six months later, I got a handwritten note. Uh-huh. And basically, he shut down his business. Right. And he, he wrote me a note apologizing. Yeah. Had a $20 bill in it, cash. I said, I'm so sorry you were the one person who was honest with me. All my friends and family were cheerleading because they thought that was the supportive thing to do. Right. They would have helped me more had they said my baby was really a wombat. Yeah. Right? And I wouldn't waste all this time and money. Yep. 
So sometimes you get that sort of delayed gratification. But yeah. right, for people that invest so much into that, it's so hard for them to hear that. It, it is. And, and maybe the first time somebody's ever said that. Right. No, absolutely. And I always try to be honest with entrepreneurs, and probably just like you, in a nice way. Yep. Right? We're not going to do it ruthlessly, but... No, we're not going to go Simon Cowell on them. <laughs> exactly. But we try to do it in a way that is helpful to the entrepreneur, because I agree with you. Like, And that this is why I always ask people, like when I do presentations or anything else, like I want you to tell me what I did wrong. That's all I care about. I don't want to know how I did right, and because obviously I tried my best. I, I wouldn't have come here and done anything if I wasn't trying my best. Right. So I want you to tell me all the wrong things. And, and I think a lot of times people need that permission from you to be able to tell you what you did wrong. Um, but that's generally what I, that's what I did on that panel for Petrie Corners. I'm going to tell you what I think is wrong, like what you're going to mess up on and what you're messing up on right now, because that's the only way to get better. So you've had a long entrepreneurial journey. I think you just called me old. Nope. (laughs) You called yourself old. Um, You've had a long and storied entrepreneurial journey. Um, And a lot of these places just did not exist back in 07, 08 here in, in the ATL. Yeah. How would your journey have been different? Would it have been different if there had been things like this available back when you were a pup? Yeah, I, I think it absolutely would have been different. Um, I remember starting my first company, so I came up with the idea for Digital Envoy 99, went full-time in 2000. There basically was nobody as a mentor for me. There was nobody to learn from. You know, Went to a few events that were technology-oriented around town, but they were basically wall-to-wall service providers. Um, just trying to sell me stuff, right? There, there was nobody trying to actually help. Uh, and so I think uh, from kind of the, the capital perspective, if there had been places like this, my costs would have been a lot less. I probably could have raised a lot less money and been a lot more effective. Um, but on the other side of it, I think I could have gotten to a point of, of solving things and, and um, getting the right answers quicker. I'll give you an example. It's kind of a minor example, but when we had our first office, uh, me and my two co-founders, we had never started a company before, right? This is the first time starting a company. I was, uh, at this point, 20, having our first office, 25 years old, 26 years old, something like that. And a guy from the Better Business Bureau came in to sign us up, right? And we're like, oh, yeah, we'll sign. It was free. So we're like, yeah, sure, we can do that. And so he's filling out the paperwork right there. And then he asks us, uh, and we'd been in this office for a couple of months at this point. Um, so, yeah, so where's your business license? And we're like, uh, must be in the mail. We haven't gotten it yet. We've it's 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 in the mail. We'll let you know that number. Of course, once we, get we have it. a business license. Yeah. So that very same day, our CFO ran to the city of Duluth <laughs> and got our first business license because we didn't know we needed one. Right. Nobody tells you that, right? And look, it, it was a minor issue. Even if we'd gotten caught and fined, it probably wouldn't have been that outrageous. But still, it's it's those little things that just help you along that process and speed you up. Uh, in terms of making things happen, that had we been in a space like that, we would have just not had to worry about some of those things. We wouldn't have to worry about, you know, which accounting firm are we going to go with or which law firm are we going to go with or, you know, who do we use for X, Y, and Z or how do we do benefits? Like all of that stuff would have been solved. And all that stuff is just the cruft garbage stuff that you have to do in starting a company, but it adds no value, right? It's not the thing that you're around for it's like stock option valuations yeah i mean yeah you got to do it but does it it doesn't add any value no it does not i mean it's it's a distraction it is absolutely 
So one last question. I know we we got we got to get you out of here. I know you got some other stuff you got to do today, as you always do. <laughs> but I want to ask you one other question. There's a new. I don't know that it's a new concept, but a new term called a colliding space. Have you heard that term before? I, I've heard that term. Uh, people talk about yeah, you know, serendipity, collisions, and things like that. I don't know exactly what a colliding space is and how that's different from a co-working space. But I think all of us are essentially built for that. Um, yep. You know, I was at uh, Prototype Prime yesterday and randomly happened to see, you might know, CBQ, Charles Brian Quinn with Greensy, the uh, robotic uh, lawn mowing company. I know of them, but don't know him. Okay, so CBQ has been around uh, Atlanta for quite some time. Um, and I I was surprised to see him there. It was, it was like, oh, yeah, we're going to be doing some, because we've got the autonomous advanced vehicle stuff. It's like we're going to be doing uh, some autonomous lawn mowing. Uh, alongside of all that, I was like, that's kind of cool, right? Um, and having those random collisions, and then I saw he was meeting with the trellis team, which is the, uh, you know, monitoring uh, water usage for farmers uh, in their crop fields. And so having those kind of serendipity kind of collisions happen, I think that's a great thing. That's a great thing for uh, Atlanta. It's a great thing for any city. And so, uh, you know, if governments are listening to this, any, anybody that's in a mu- municipality, if there's one thing that you want to try to help do is, is create those collisions between people that are doing innovative stuff because you never know how they might be able to help one another. So we're just about out of time. Um, but th- this, we obviously could have a three-hour conversation on this <laughs> and then some. Um, but if somebody wants to ask you a question, maybe follow up, can they reach out to you? And if so, how, how best can they contact you? Yeah, the best place is always for me is on Twitter. Uh, so I'm at Sanjay. That's S-A-N-J-A-Y. Uh, I'm pretty responsive on Twitter. You can at me uh, and my DMs are open so you can uh, private message me uh, if it's something you don't want to plaster publicly on Twitter. Okay, well, very good. Um, that's going to wrap it up for today's program. I'd like to thank Sanjay so much for joining us and sharing his expertise with us. We'll be exploring a new topic each week, so please tune in so that when you're faced with your next business decision, you have clear decision when making it. If you enjoy these podcasts, please consider leaving a review with your favorite podcast aggregator. It helps people find us so that we can help them. Once again, this is Mike Blake. Our sponsor is Brady Ware & Company, and this has been the Decision Vision Podcast.